name is Sabulawa. Uh, originally I'm from Ethiopia, but now I'm a full citizen of Australia. I came to Australia on 31st of March uh, 2004, uh, and yeah, I've been few years now in Australia. <laughs> Where would you would you like to? begin with your life in Ethiopia or your life in Australia? I think there is a connection between both. It's good to start with Ethiopia and come to Australia, which is uh, my home now, uh, because I can see that there is little, there, there is some connections uh, uh, between the journey. How? Uh, the reason is that uh, the persecution that happened on me in Ethiopia because of uh, standing for the right of uh, you know people and at the same time also the advocacy that I used to do in order to advocate for the voice of voiceless people is what put me in prison for almost uh, five years and at the same time also I was prevented not to get any employment for two years and I was traumatized and socially isolated not to talk to people because the authority believed that if I talk to people maybe I will convince people on what is happening on me and then it was through this, uh, you know, very serious and very terrible, uh, you know, way of life uh, that brought me to refugee camp. Uh, and that was simply because, you know, when I was in prison, there were a lot of advocacy to release me from prison because I haven't done anything wrong. It is uh, because of standing for the right of voiceless people. And because of the pressure on the authority, I was released. And shortly, you know, they try again to put me in prison. And, uh, and at that stage, actually, uh, I have to leave the country. And before that also, I've got my dog. And the dog was killed at night. Because, you know, every night the dog used to bark and if people coming around and all stuff like that. And the first step was that they started, the authority started with my dog. And my dog was killed. And now I thought that the next is going to be me and then because of that I have to leave the country and went to exile in Kenya. So that is why I'm saying that there is a bit of connections on what the persecution that happened on me is what brought me here in Australia. And the persecution also that happened on me, it is what made my case very strong uh, to be eligible for resettlement, resettlement program here in Australia. Mm. 
So after I left the country, my wife also went through difficult time because they intimidated her in case if I can come back. Uh, but I made my own decisions that I don't need to come back because I know what will be what will happen on me. Uh, and then that was the case. And I remember one day when I was released from prison, you know, my daughter, she ran away from me because she has never been uh, around me and she didn't know me. Mm -hmm. And she thought that I was a, a stranger. And even though the mom was telling her that, look, this is your dad and whatever, she didn't believe and, you know, accept and she was running around and all stuff, crying at the same time. The stranger is coming and all stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it was a very tough time, but it was grace of God that, uh, you know, I survived. Uh, there were three uh, assassination attempts on, on, my on life, your life. On my life. And I, I survived all this attempt. And finally, you know, I went to Nairobi, Kenya for two years. And uh, after that, the American government accepted <coughs> my case because before I left the country, the Amnesty International in the United States was making a lot of noise uh, to get me out of the prison and finally when i came to refugee camp they did also the level best to get me resettlement program to united states but you know due to the 9-11 everything were frozen <laughs> and uh, finally just I got program to come to Australia. I'm very lucky. Mm. I think this is the right place where I should be. <laughs> we're, we're lucky to have you too. Uh, and thank you so much. Yeah. When did you leave Ethiopia then? Uh, I left Ethiopia in 2001. Okay. And then I stayed in refugee camp for two years. And uh, in 2003, I came to Australia. And your your wife and daughter? Yeah, because I left them to Ethiopia and after six months and after all these intimidations, they also escaped and uh, they followed me and uh, after six months, we just reunified together yeah. in Kenya. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of things before we moved to Australia, you said you were standing for the right of people and voice of the voiceless. Who were the voiceless? Uh, the voiceless in Ethiopia is actually, it is the, you know, my community. And there was a lot of intimidations and human rights abuse. If you remember in 2004, there was a genocide you know, happen on the Anuak people, which is my tribe. More than uh, 420 people were killed during daylight. Women were, you know, sexual assault and all the stuff like that. 
wrapped and 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 the slogan was that it was this genocide was was carried out by the uniform ethiopian soldiers yeah. on the civilians you know. yeah. and the slogan at that time was this is the day to kill anwak this is the day of killing anwak that was the slogan by the military soldiers and people were killed houses were burned into ashes women were raped and more than 20000 people they fled to south sudan and some of them also have to kenya even this time there are a lot of anyak refugees in kakuma camp in refugee in kenya so there were a lot of intimidations and a lot of uh, human right abuse and uh, you know uh, and, and violation of human right and that was the reason why i stood up uh, you know for these voiceless people yeah. to talk and and i was happy also even to give my life because always even from my childhood I stand for human right. And were you a teacher at the time? Yep, I was a teacher. I was a teacher teaching in high school as the history teacher. And finally I stood also for parliamentary election independently and and people elected me to represent them in the regional government like New South Wales uh, to be their voice but surprisingly you know within almost 6 uh, months i was put in prison mm-hmm. because the authority w- were not happy with me and and always i argue with them about the right of uh, you know the people and all the stuff like that and then they put me in prison uh, and that was the things actually that happened on me and I was yeah. taken to the court three times and the judges said that we don't have any case go home and after I went to reach home people were saying uh, welcome whatever and another three police guys followed me and they said that look we want you to go back to the prison the judge has already given a judgment that there is no case but the authority were not happy and i said that look you know i'm very sorry for three of you to come and take me to prison even one person is enough that is my home so even if you send me message that you are needed i'm ready to go back because that is my second home wow and then my wife was crying you know all people were at home gathering to welcome me they were all crying and i said that look there's nothing and then i went back you know very happy <laughs> yeah. well let, let's move on to to australia and when you when you arrived and before that before that actually when i was in refugee camp also 
because it was the time when the genocide was done on my people in yeah. 2004, December 13. And then a lot of refugees came and I have to advocate for them to get eligibility and also to get refugee status. And to the point that I talked to the United Nations branch office in Nairobi and uh, we set up a separate camp uh, for these genocide victims. Uh, and then now uh, some of them are in Australia, especially in Brisbane. And, you know, Australian government has given them resettlement program, which is something very fantastic on base of humanity. So that is why I'm saying that, you know, always where I go, I stand for human rights. <laughs> As we all should. Yeah, yeah. And back to Australia now. Yeah. Did you know much about Australia when you arrived? Uh, I, there was no, but uh, in school I learned a little bit about Australia, the name of Australia, but not that much. But the culture, traditions and all the stuff like that, I wasn't aware much. But also I know that it is a good country. Uh, and. I saw it really, really, it is a good place to live. Abula, what were the challenges when you arrived? Uh, there were few challenges actually, but those challenges I took them as the uh, positive things because one of the challenges was that uh, my educational qualification was not accepted in Australia because I have to do a lot of study to be recognized and to be accepted as a teacher in Australia. And I do understand that. The second one is getting job also was a little bit uh, difficult. And number three is a language. Australian accent is very fast and, uh, you know, for the last uh, almost six months, uh, everything is flying over. <laughs> Even I remember when I was in TAV, you know, because uh, I have to start from the scratch. I left all those qualifications that I've got and the experience that I brought from Africa, from Ethiopia, and I started from Certificate 1 in November TAF. And then, you know, in the class there, I said, first day, I didn't get anything. Everything just... And finally, I asked myself, why I'm here? <laughs> what I'm doing here? <laughs> and the best thing is that the reason why I, I take it as a positive thing, even though I don't understand what the teacher is saying or, or lecturing, I spend a lot of time in reading. Because if I read, I do understand the reading. It is only the accent. But if I read something in English, I can understand. Because even when I was in my country, I teach in English. History language, I, I teach history subject in English, not in my own language. So reading, I can read and understand, but only just communication. And then I took that as an opportunity of learning at the same time, even though I don't understand what the teacher is telling me, I have to go to the books and read and get uh, some understanding about what has been lectured and all the stuff like that. And, and finally I went to the teacher and I told her that, look, 
just to be frank with you, I don't understand what you are telling. The lecture, I don't understand the lecture and the language. And she says, sorry. And then the best thing in Australia, you know, always, if you say that I've got problem in this and that, help is there. Then I was given support, you know, tutoring, little bit coaching and all the stuff like that. And then after almost a few months, uh, I got there. And finally, I finished, uh, you know, almost with distinction. I say, what? What is happening here? <laughs> Struggling with the language and now, <laughs> distinctions. <laughs> and, uh, and while I was doing my certificate three, certificate four, I did my placement at Mekal. At that time, the office was down there. And then I did my placement there and everyone was happy with my performance and all the stuff like that. And I was offered a job after a year, meaning in 2005. I started working in the community sector with certificate four. And I continued my study until I got my diploma. And I thought that, why don't I go to uni to see what is happening there? I went there and got my bachelor while I was also working. A bachelor in? Bachelor of Community Welfare. And one thing was that, you know, while I was doing this study at uni, it was in uh, Bankstown. I don't drive. I live in Tungabi. I have to change two times and after that I have to use also I have to take a bus to the campus and sometimes when I get home it was almost you know 10 o'clock and my son was sleeping I wake up in the morning while he was still snoring when I come back he's still is uh, always in the he's in the bed and during one Sunday, he said, Dad, what time do you sleep? I don't see you. Okay. I told him that, look, we are not here for joke. We are here to make up all the losses that happened while I was in prison, refugee came and all the stuff like that. And he was saying, what? He said that, yes, this is the reason why we have to work very hard. Was your son born out here? Uh, he came uh, while he was uh, five years old. Five years. And uh, you've got the two? Two children? Your yeah. daughter and yeah. son? What, what are their names? His name is Beji. Benji. They call it Benji, but Beji, B-I-J-I. And your daughter's name? My daughter's name is Aneno. A-N-N-E-O. Aneno. And then, uh, you know, this son also was the one, while we was in refugee camp, it was raining, no food, no what. And he told me that, Dad, when I grow up, I'm going to be a, 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 a jet pilot, meaning that the fighting jet, yeah. and go and kill everyone who brought us in this life. He was four years old. Four years old? Yes, telling me that because of 
the challenges. And I told him that, look, we have to forgive them. And he said, no, when I go, I'm going to be a jet pilot. He thought that is something that you can get easily and go and kill people. (laughs) (laughs) Like a toy and all the stuff like that. He was thinking of, four years old, was thinking of killing and revenge because of the challenges in refugee camp. And then after we came here again, he said that, what time do you sleep? I said, what are you saying? (laughs) And finally, when the result came, I called them my daughter said that look what distinctions there and he was asking what is distinction I said that distinction is the high spark <laughs> that is the reason why you don't see me and you say that what time do you sleep <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and and finally I got a full time job and I did my masters in social science and that is the thing. But the only thing is that is why I'm saying that the reason why there is connection between uh, what happened on me in Australia, in Ethiopia, with what I'm doing here in Australia is that when I came to Australia, the first thing was in, in my mind was to give back to the Australian community who, are, who, who, has, who have given me one-way ticket. We'll give. And then how to give back to volunteering job and helping people at the same time. And that was my passion, actually. Even when I was, even after now, I'm still doing volunteering. Even though I work full time, but still happy to be giving my time to people who are in need. Because that is why I'm saying that I've got a passion in human rights. Let's, so, so yes. On both of that, let's talk about your volunteering now and your work now mm-hmm. and their significant roles, particularly when you talk about helping people. You help people every day of the week. So tell us a bit about what you do for work and also with your volunteering. Uh, at this stage, actually, I work for health, but I'm not representing health now talking here because it is just my personal reflections. I work at health as a health program officer working with African community, (coughs) helping people to understand about the health system and also at the same time passing information even during this COVID-19 to make sure that people are aware but what is going on and all the stuff like that. So this is my work and I'm still connected with the community at the same time. And, uh, and, uh, and, and in terms of volunteering, actually, uh, um, right now volunteering in four areas. <coughs> Number one is the Australian Day. Uh, no, the African Day Council. I'm a member of that, uh, and I'm one of the executive members. And I'm also volunteering in uh, Ethiopian Multicultural Action for Human Rights. And this is also 
an organization that advocates for the right of Ethiopians, not only uh, here but back home at the same time. And I'm also volunteering uh, with Blacktown City Council, uh, member of uh, Multicultural Advisory Committee. Uh, and uh, in addition to that also, I am volunteering on Gambella Human Rights Organization. It is a human rights organization also to advocate for the right of uh, voiceless people back in Gambella, where I come from. So, is in addition to my paid work, I'm volunteering four places actually, and and uh, and, and and I'm very happy also to you know be there always whenever there is anything for the community and all the stuff like that to stand with the people and before that also i volunteer on different organizations and different sectors and all the stuff like that i was the advisory committee of uh, multicultural justice in new south Wales before and in my local area also i was elected there as a residence uh, vice chairperson to uh, to work with residents and all the stuff like that but i'm not any longer in that role now so i've been out there and because of that also the best thing is that that is why i'm saying that the connections of yeah. ethiopia and here the volunteering job and the advocacy that I did there in Ethiopia is what put me in prison, what also killed my dog, and what separated me from my family. But here in Australia, it is uh, different. Mm. I got a lot of recognitions, a lot of awards, a lot of encouragement. Can I? Do you want to ask a quick yeah, question? Yeah, yeah, I don't it, know yeah. if the microphone can quite hear me, but um, you said that you're, you know, you, you, you've talked about your son going when you sleep, and you've talked about your, your child saying, you know, your, your daughter running from you because she thought you were a stranger because you'd spent so much time. Prison, yeah. Is it, but then you spend all this time volunteering in addition to your other job. It would be very easy just to go, I'm going to make up for lost time with my family. How do you, is it a, is it a struggle in your own mind to decide between family time and, and community time? Is that, is that a difficult thing to... Uh, it is not really difficult because uh, it is for the first time in my life that I spent a lot of time with my family mm. here in Australia. In Ethiopia, as you know very well, prison, whatever, sometimes two days or whatever, all those things be in prison, all the justice there. And that is why my children miss me a lot. But here in Australia now, even though I go and volunteer, I'm still home. I'm not separate, you know, from my children and from my family. I'm there with my family. 
when there is a birthday, always, you know, we are there and celebrate together, Christmas and all the stuff like that. And uh, it's more about, you know, put things in balance uh, and have a good planning. Yeah. Family is very important, but at the same time also, it's good to give back to the people who are in need at the same time because if someone brought me here, I have to do something. And also, you remember uh, when I said that when I was in prison, it was the Human Rights Amnesty International in the United States who advocate for me. They don't know me. It's only because of hearing about what happened to me. When I was in refugee camp at the same time, they supported me financially. But they don't know me. And now I can see people here who need help. If someone who doesn't see me help me, what about someone that I can see? <laughs> what can I do for that? I think I should do more, much more than what other people did for me. So it is, that is the reason why I'm saying that giving back you know, to the people is part of my life. Is part of my passion at the same time. Is that what you think motivates you? The fact that you didn't have those people to help you when you needed help? Uh, it is not like that actually. It is simply because, you know, uh, humanity is something is with me, you know. Even you remember uh, some one of the story when I was in year nine, back in my country, year nine. There was a program called illiteracy campaign in which students will go to the countryside to teach voluntary. And then there was a new community that were found to be part of Ethiopia, to be recognized as Ethiopians. Before that, no one knew them. And then when I heard about these people, I said that I must go to them and teach them. My mom and my dad, they completely said that, how, how are you going there? You don't know the language. You don't know the tradition. They will kill you. They said that, let me go and die. But I have to help them. I was a teenager. And then, there was a lot of discussions with family. And I was the only son also in the family. And they don't want to just... <laughs> lose me yeah. and I said that I must go because these people number one they they don't know anything about education no clinic no what no what they are new found people to as part of Ethiopian uh, you know uh, tribe and then I won and then I went there for almost three months no language no what no what and, uh, and i have to be you know similar to the people until they made a complaint that we don't want you to go back we want you to teach us forever i said that look i'm still a student i'm going back but the best thing i can do for you let's get five elders to go with me 
And one of the brilliant students in my class, you know, I asked the family, his family, to go with me so that he can stay with me in the town to get good education. And that was the gift that I brought home to the family. The family which says they don't go, after that when I brought this gift to them, they were very happy. <laughs> and then uh, I brought that boy and at the same time also five elders and we went to the authority, we talked to the authority that these are newfound people, they need education, they need clinic, there is nothing there. And then after six months, after all this advocacy, they were the school was built and a small clinic was built for them. So that is why I'm saying that my passion about human rights started while I was a child, actually. Yeah. That's why I've got passion in, in that. And, 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 and the good thing also when I reached to Australia, this has developed because there's a lot of support, encouragement and, and all stuff like that. So yeah, that's why I got a lot of recognitions and stuff like that. I am uh, conscious of your time. We don't want to keep you for too long. But what about the future? What are, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to put a, a, a bottle there and a genie yeah. pops out of it. Mm. And Master, oh, you can have as many wishes as you like. What do you wish for the future? Uh, for the future is that uh, I want to continue with the human rights uh, advocacy because this is a very important area especially for people back home. Uh, it's a lot of intimidations and a lot of, uh, you know, problems there. And then being in free world, I think this is uh, my responsibility to bring those atrocities and violations, uh, you know, to the international level so that people will get understand. And also, my future is that uh, I want to continue with the with the advocacy and helping people at the same time because that is uh, my passion to make sure that uh, you know people are protected, to make sure that uh, you know humanity is very important in whatever we do and whatever we say. So I think yeah, I want to continue with helping people. A couple of very quick ones. What are your uh, boy and girl doing now? Uh, my son actually he finished uh, the bachelor in uh, IT. Yeah. And, and he, he said that he doesn't want to work for anyone, but he wants to set up his own business. Good on him. I say, okay, this is your choice. Because we are in a country where everyone can make a choice. And now he started his own business, a little bit struggling, but he's just doing his own job. And my daughter also, she finished uh, uni with nursing uh, degree. And she did also another diploma in mental health. 
and she is working in hospital and uh, and during my birthday last uh, this year the cut that they gave me was that thank you dad for supporting us in our decisions in all decision we make always you are with us and i said that this is my responsibility as a dad we don't want to struggle with you but whatever you want to do think about it and i'm always there if i'm with for if i'm standing for other people what about you my children <laughs> i have to support you and i have to be with you so all of them they got their bachelors and they are working and yeah and that's the thing and i want to show you something yes my the one of the award that i received this is the pride of australia I've read about that. Congrats, may I have a look, please? <laughs> a medallion, the pride yeah. of Australia. It's a big glowing gold yeah, medallion. Yeah, fair yeah. go. Fair go. With your name on the back from the Daily Telegraph, I Sunday know. Telegraph. Now, well, I'll, since you've given this, I'll, I was going to ask one more question, but I'll give you two. <laughs> For a person who's fled, persecuted from his own country, to make a home in another country mm. and then have the name of that country awarded to you in a medal pride of australia mm -hmm. what does that mean uh i think uh, this is uh, something that has given me a lot of motivation to to continue on what i'm doing to support and to stand with the right for the right of people who need help because that is why that is why i'm saying that back home these are the things that intimidated me put me in prison and you know all those atrocities and all the stuff like that but here it is a recognition so i'm very proud and i'm very privileged also to be in this multicultural country and uh, and and this has given me a lot of motivation you know to support even in the western sydney also i receive uh, hold of uh, hold of fame award which is also something which is given to people who have done a lot of outstanding work in the community and i was given also a recognition from african australia as a champion uh, not less than that <laughs> so and uh, you know it's a lot of recognitions but i'm not working to get recognition i'm just it's something that is in my blood yeah. to work and this is something coming on my way but my goal is not this my goal is to make sure that each and everyone is protected have right and at the same time also have fair go it is so apt isn't it fair go final question yeah now this is quite a, a big question so okay. you can think carefully about it but mm -hmm. what has your life taught you about 
humanity. Okay. The big thing that, the big lesson that I've got there, and the big also lesson that I got, is always if you are standing for humanity, <coughs> wherever you go, you will be successful in your life. Wherever you go, you will also have a lot of support, even though there are a lot of challenges. But seeing people making difference in their life is also something that can motivate you. It's not easy, especially in third world. It's about death or life. But here in Australia is different because it is a free country. But also I think it is something very important because you have to be a role model. Being a role model, if you want to advocate, you have to be a role model. Mm. And to be a role model is not something easy. And then it, it requires a lot of work, a lot of commitment and a lot of passion at the same time. So what I learned is that standing for the right of people is a noble thing and it is very important because you will see a difference in life of people, even though there are a lot of persecutions and a lot of things. Like now, I'm very successful in Australia compared to the rest. With this one, I compete with four, we were four other finalists. One from Europe, one from Middle East, I am from Africa, and there is another one also from Latin America. These are people who did extraordinary job here in Australia as migrants. And three of them are doctors also, who did a lot of research, females, who did a lot of research and a lot of work in the thing. And the competition was not easy. And I'm very proud also to be part of uh, that competition. And finally, when it was announced, Abula, I said, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> So it is very rewarding, but it is also not easy. Uh, and the lesson that I got in my life is always, it's good to be with the voiceless people because those people, they don't have anyone to speak about them. They don't have anyone to bring their stories out. Therefore, it is a noble thing and it is very important Thing to do in life but there is a lot of challenges advocacy is not easy and also giving time you have to balance also between family and, and, and giving time to the to the people and to the community also so there's a lot of commitments there but it is something that need to be done by someone like me and you guys you are fantastic thank, thank you that's an a, it's a it's a real privilege to listen thank you, and you're an inspiration
This podcast series is a collaboration between Mecca and Westwards. Interviews by James Knight, editing and production by James Roy.